Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to when you are FM. Greg Richard, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Yes, hello. New intro. That's uh, very that, exciting. It's very exciting. It's very upbeat. That's what I thought. Something a bit upbeat for the garden. What do you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought today we'd talk about uh, red hot pokers. They're out in flower at the moment. So is black-eyed Susan a climber. How to put together a terrarium. And I don't know about this, but I went to the florist the other day and I got peony roses and it's completely out of season, but we'll have a chat about them anyway. Right, yeah, we'll do. And of course, you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call, 49216 216. Now, Scott, you mentioned something about red hot pokers. Yes, they're a, a beautiful flower. They're out at the moment. They're mo- a flower. They're a flower, yeah, they're a flower. It's, um, I guess you could use it to stoke your fireplace as well. Don't think it'd work very well. No, but that's why they get their name because they are. They're a, a long, tall uh, flower that comes out from like a strappy looking plant yep and uh, from that the the flower has this red and, and yellow top on it that looks like the glowing end of the poker if you're oh, in, okay. in the fireplace yeah so it's actually a native of South Africa yep. um, you can buy them as a bulb uh, they're probably out and about at the moment if you want to try and get some um, but again they love being out in the full sun uh, you can have them in pots if you want to uh, you'd have to have a fairly large pot though but they really like those hot, uh, dry conditions. Uh, and, yeah, just a, a very, very easy plant to look after. I guess you'd have them in a garden, uh, you know, sort of a, almost have a grassy look to them. So if you're going to do some sort of, you know, cactus or, or dry-looking garden, that's that's where you'd have them. Uh, don't do too well in the shade. Uh, but, yeah, there's a whole lot of different hybrids of them, so a whole lot of different varieties, but they, they mostly have that... Uh, that upright flower stalk and the yellowy orange colour. Yeah, and they're out at the moment. Uh, really nice, easy to look after plant. All right. In the sun, though, not indoors? Not indoors, definitely outside and in the full sun. Excellent. Now, Scott, paradies are out, but they're not supposed to be. Well, that, that's what I... I was very, very confused. Walked into the florist the other day to get some a couple of bunches of flowers, and there were these beautiful pianos sitting there. Right. So, uh, and they're so unusual, and they only have such a, a short little period where you can get them anyway. Yep. I, I don't know how they're getting them growing. It must be in a hothouse or something weird like that, uh, <laughs> because they do like the cold weather to bring on and initiate the flowering, yep. but it's not until we get to around October, November, that you actually see them in the florist. So these ones must have had something done to them in a hothouse to make that happen. Uh, but it's look, like- you can't... The trouble with peonies is people want to try and grow them here in Newcastle. It doesn't really get cold enough. Uh, they are a beautiful, beautiful looking plant. You get them in those uh, fantastic purples with white, uh, pink through them, uh, a brighter pink as well. Uh, you can get them as a, a larger tree peony or as the shrub-like one, which uh, gets to about a, a metre high and forms a big clump. And then you just get like hundreds and hundreds of these flowers coming off them as the clump gets bigger. But uh, here on the coast, probably not so good. Uh, west of the ranges, yes, uh, out around Cessnock, uh, those areas there. If you're a nice cold little space, you might be able to get some peonies to grow out there. Um, but if anyone's had any luck with them, uh, you know, actually on in the city here, yep. I'd love to hear about that as well. Uh, always like to hear some, uh, uh, you know, some success stories with unusual plants. If you want to call in about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look, a really great plant. I don't know why they're out at the at the moment, um, but, uh, yeah, look, a beautiful plant for a colder area. 
Um, they actually originate from Asia, so they like a bit of lime in the soil. Uh, so if you are going to try and grow them some lime in the soil, they just come from that sort of uh, limey area uh, up there in uh, around China, where it's uh, you know a lot. They get the cold, and it, it helps the flower come on. Okay, right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, fantastic plant. Uh, love to hear though if you're uh, able to grow them here. If in you've Newcastle. had success here in Newcastle, yes, so that's yeah. quite rare. Yes, it is. And we've got David from Cessnock, and he's got a question about imperial mandarins. Good afternoon. Yes, David, how can we help you, mate? Uh, I've got a mandarin tree in Imperial. Yes. It's about 15 years old. It's been quite a prolific producer. Uh, I've been waiting for a frost to set the fruit, but uh, I'm getting a lot of fruit drop. I go to work over the weekend. Uh, I haven't got time to maintain the tree by the time I get home, and on a Monday morning there'll be something like 18 or 20 mandarins have dropped over the course of the weekend. Okay, okay. That doesn't sound uh, real good for you. Um, how much? You, how often are you watering it? Regularly. Yeah. Uh, I've added on a steady diet of rich grow uh, black marble, which has boosted up the fruit and made the tree fairly healthy. Yes. Um, there's like a sting mark on the tree with a, a five-cent piece, like a, it's been stung by something like a fruit fly, which is probably too late in the year for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not all the fruit, but some of them have got the mark and then the five-cent piece size dot where it looks like it's been, you know, infected. Yeah, look, I'd I'd have a look at those stung fruit and and check that out because a couple of weeks ago we had a lady uh, called in. Her fruit was still getting stung by fruit fly, believe it or not, at this time of year. Okay. Uh, And I think that... It, it had happened much earlier, you know. The the fruit was still, you know, pretty much green, and yep. and the fruit fly had been getting in there even then. So give that a, a check out and see what's happening then. Okay. Uh, but look, otherwise, with uh, mandarins and a lot of citrus, they do overset their fruit, and uh, they can just naturally drop off, uh, you know, just to try and ease the the load on themselves uh, because okay. they can't, they realise they can't sustain that much. Uh, fruit on there Uh, so make sure you clean all up because you don't want that sitting around on the ground and uh, bring in fruit fly as well Uh, so what you've been doing is uh, you know regular watering fantastic for it Uh, regular feeding is also fantastic Uh, now you need to be giving it uh, sulfate of potash as well Uh, yeah now that actually improves and strengthens the uh, flowering and fruiting of the plant so sulfate of potash it it washes through the soil very quickly so it's important to use it on a regular basis okay okay but otherwise i'd be definitely checking out some of that fruit to see uh, and make sure that there's no fruit fly in there okay and after the season maybe a heavy cut back to lighten the load on the tree yes absolutely uh how big's the tree now uh, probably about three metres. I've opened up the inside mm-hmm. for airflow, but uh, like you said, the limbs are quite heavy with the weight of the fruit. Yeah, and look, that's that's very important to open it up. Uh, I always say with citrus, you don't really need it to be much bigger than the, the tree you've described, about three metres tall. Uh, okay. Otherwise, you just lose track. You actually can't get up to the top, uh, you know, where the, the new fruit is on the new growth. So yes. important just to keep it to a manageable size. Sounds like you're doing the right thing. I think you might just, it might be a little bit overbear, uh, yep. overbearing at the moment. So uh, don't be too concerned. Just keep up the regular watering with it and uh, check for that fruit fly sting. Okay, lovely. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks for the call, David. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we've got Dennis from Singleton. He's got a potted lemonade tree and it's dropped all its leaves. 
Good afternoon, Dennis. Uh, what's been going on? Yeah, mate, just a couple of quick questions about uh, citrus. We've got two lemonade trees and a mandarin tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the lemonade trees lost 90% of its leaves, um, but it's flowering and everything. Um, the other question is, they've still got fruit on them and they're still flowering. When is a good time to sort of lift them up so I can put more potting mix in the pots? Yeah, so for that, uh, a good rule of thumb is that you wait until the, the fruit has, has finished um, because it's putting all its energy in. You don't want to disturb it at that point in time. Uh, now, as far as having citrus in pots, are they in very large pots, Dennis? Uh, about 40 centimetres across, about 400 mil across. Okay. So when you've got a citrus in a pot, they are very heavy feeders and they do like a lot of moisture, especially when they've got their their uh, you know their flower and their fruit on there. So it's really important to uh, be uh, watering very, very regularly. How's your watering been going? Yeah, not too bad. Because the trouble yeah. is, even if uh, you know it can be cool outside, uh, you think, oh no, it's you know all's well. Uh, we get some winds, and really, a plant like that only has to dry out for you know the afternoon for three or four hours, and that would be enough to stress the plant to for you know to make it drop its leaves. And of course, that's going to be always the first thing it does drop, and uh, because it's trying to keep some fruit on there um, to reproduce. It wants its, you know, little lemons or, you know, lemonades to keep on going and, um, you know, continue its line, you know, along into the future. So it it will drop its leaves, uh, hopefully to keep the fruit alive, but then it will drop, uh, you know, its fruit as well uh, if it needs to, to try and survive. So always make sure you're watering your plants well uh, when they've got the fruit and flower on there to stop any drop. And uh, with fertilising in a pot... Uh, have you been fertilising it, mate? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, what have you been fertilising it with? Uh, the citrus food, uh, the, the, um, oh, the stuff that slowly, slow release. Ah, yep, okay, because they, they were the words I wanted to hear you use because uh, some people, you can get that citrus food, you know, that sort of granular, um, almost chemically one, uh, and it's too strong to use on plants that are in pots. So important that if you've got any plant in a pot, uh, especially a citrus plant, that you are using a slow-release fertiliser. There's one called Sudden Impact out there. It's actually for roses. Uh, it's an organic one, but it works really, really well because citrus like you know pretty much the same conditions that roses like. So uh, you use that about three or four times a year, uh, and that is a very, very good product to use. Uh, but look, sounds like you're doing the right thing. I think uh, you know the plant's just a little bit stressed at the moment. Uh, yeah. Keep up the watering. If you want to, you can take some of that fruit off there. Uh, to try and reduce the, the stress on the plant. But otherwise, yeah, just keep your watering up and that slow-release fertiliser. Yeah, so um, the, other, the other thing is, is those pots are about the right size or yeah, look, bigger ones? Yeah, look, I would think you need bigger ones. I'm just doing the old hand sort of movement here. Uh, I always think that something, you know, about the size of a a half wine barrel is, uh, you know, something, you know, for a citrus plant to get enough fruit off it. Uh, anything smaller, you're just going to be playing catch up all the time. It, there's just not enough oomph in, you know, or you know, mass in the soil to be able to feed the plant and keep it moist all the time. So, uh, yeah, something a little bit bigger is probably not a bad idea. Terracotta, you need to water them a lot more too, because terracotta 
Yeah, it, it, it does. So, uh, look, not a not a bad thing, but yeah, terracotta does uh, you know, let the moisture uh, you know soaks it up and then lets it out again. So, um, plastics not you know plastic pots are, are quite good, or some sort of heavier pot, uh, you know, like a concrete or some sort of other masonry. Fiberglass yeah. pots are really good as well. Now uh, they have that masonry look to them, uh, so they have a you know a bit more of a nice appearance. And uh, yeah, they they just work really well. They're lightweight, uh, easily you know you can easily move them around, and they don't have that issue of the moisture going through them. So they're that's the fiberglass pots. Uh, they work really well. These ones here seem to be fruiting and flower all through the year. There doesn't seem to be a dormant period where I can sort of lift them up a bit and put some more potting mix underneath. Yeah, that look and that can, can sometimes happen with certain plants or the aspect they're in. Uh, you just need to pick a time, uh, you know, when you think that most of the fruiting is over and, and lift it and repot it then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Daniel, okay. Thanks for that. Good on you, Dennis. Right. Thank you for the call. Cheers. Catch Bye. Bye. So we've got Steve from Barnsley, and he's got a question about pruning roses. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you going? Good, mate. Uh, yourself? Yeah, pretty well. How can we help you? All right. Um, I don't want to go in too early to prune my friends up at Westy, yes, their roses. Um, you have a rose named after Greg and yourself <laughs> that I moved, and it's doing very, very well. Actually, extremely well. Yeah, very good. Yeah, because that's because <clears throat> Greg, Greg and I are pictures of health and vitality ourselves. <laughs> and that was the Shiraz colour. Uh, yep. Yes. Okay. When do I now? I'm still teaching the the lady um, when to prune. Yes, I, look, I think it's despite the cold snap we've had, I think it's still a touch early. I mean, really, we're in May. I would not suggest pruning roses until the second week of July, or right, almost right through until the second week of August so it's just one of those things where you, you're waiting uh, for it to be the plants to be as cold and, and as almost as dormant as possible before yes. you do the pruning yes and you're trying to time it so that you know a couple of weeks after you've done the prune and the buds starting to burst out that we've got the warmer weather again right and those little you know very delicate leaves that are bursting out aren't going to be damaged by any further uh, you know frost or cold winds so it is it is just a bit of a balancing act but i would say far too early at the moment uh, and wait until yeah mid-july at least and see what's happening there and to they have a rose around the back yes um it's still not in greg's color (laughs) (laughs) um to move it out to the front um where their rose garden is, there's some vacant blocks, so to speak. Yes. Uh, same time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, transplanting and moving roses, I would do at the same time. If you're going to prune them, you might as well give them a hard prune then and then dig them up out of the ground and move them when they're dormant. So that's that's the time to do it. I know you see them in the shops and the garden centres now. Uh, often those roses have come from down south where it's much colder. Uh, they, they start to dig them. Sometimes they even start to dig them a little bit early. Uh, you might be starting to see them in the uh, 
in the in the shops and garden centres now. The old rule of thumb used to be that uh, you didn't dig or you know you don't sell a bare rooted rose until the long weekend of June, uh, and and that's a pretty good rule of thumb for you know commercially when they're digging them out oh, and right growing them. But uh, but that's yeah. a bit soon. Really, Abs- for absolutely. For for your, that's because those roses are grown, you know, down in Victoria, where it's a, a lot colder down there. Yes. But for you here in Newcastle, uh, yes, I would say mid July uh, for pruning and replanting and moving roses. Right now. Okay. Good on you. You're done well. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and no, uh, undoubtedly, we'll uh, we'll hear back and uh, hear how successful you were with the uh, the rose pruning and uh, moving later on in July. How, how shall I put it? Um, Mum, a la Judy, has actually took a, a drive out and had a look at the rose garden, and she was quite impressed. Oh, very good, very good. So I'm doing the right thing. You certainly are. Yeah. And uh, you keep on ringing up and asking us those questions. We're always happy to help out. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Good on you, Steve. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye. We've got John now from East Brankston, and his passion for it are dropping off the vine. Afternoon, John. How can we help you? Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for coming back to me. Um, I have a passion fruit vine which uh, is producing lots of fruit, and they're about the size of a small lemon, uh, green and sort of purpley in colour, but um, they don't seem to be ripening at all, and then they just fall off. Yeah, and look, that that's... No, you're not doing anything wrong at all, John. That's just how it is. It's uh, too cold now to uh, really get your passion fruit to ripen up. I've got the ones that go up through my back trees and at the moment I have, I've got beautiful big passion fruit. They are the size of a lemon like you described but they're green and they're going to stay green until they drop off because it's just too cold. Uh, you know, they need a lot of sunlight and warmth. So if you can, you probably should just take those off now and thin them back out off the plant. Okay. And then what then wait for the, the refruit again in summer? Absolutely. Uh, you want them to, uh, you know, fruit as soon as possible. So start using, using some sulphate of potash uh, in, you know, late July, middle of August, and that will promote fruiting and flowering. The sooner you get those flowers and fruit setting, the more they're going to ripen in the summer heat and you'll get better passion fruits. But anything that's sitting on there now, it's too late for it. Yeah, okay. And I was told that when they do become ripe, they just fall off anyway. Is that correct? Sorry, when they become ripe? Yeah, when they, when they do ripen, uh, probably they actually fall off when they're ripe to leave. Look, that, that's about it. Uh, you, you'll notice that when they've coloured right up, you can probably just go and have a jiggle around and they'll fall off themselves or, you know, just with a slight pull. But, yeah, pretty much they, a passion fruit needs to be, uh, you know, completely ripened and it's about to fall off. That's, that's when you go and pick them. And that ripening period, how long? Uh, look, it, it, it depends. Uh, it really does depend. But in summer, I would say about six weeks. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much, Scott. Okay. Appreciate your help. Okay. Thank you, John. Bye. Bye. And we've got Gary from Gloucester. And something's eating his tomatoes. Good afternoon, Gary. How can we help you? Yeah, Scott. Uh, um, I've got tomatoes in. I know it's coming towards the end of the season. Yeah. Like, but um, they've just been eaten by grubs. They, they, they form up. You know, they really get the full size. start to colour up. And next thing I know, they're being eaten out from the inside. Um, I've put the, fl- the fly trap up. I've done that. I've put powder on it. Someone told me to keep the soil moist. I've sort of done that. But I don't know. 
Yeah, look, I, I don't know that the soil moist uh, is, is the answer. Uh, it is. You're doing very well, though, to keep them uh, going towards this end of the season. Um, but, look, unfortunately, there's, there's not much you can do except uh, keep on dusting. Uh, you can use some pyrethrum spray because really what you're needing to do is keep the moths out of there that are laying the eggs, and then the, uh, then the grub actually comes from that. So it, it might be that it's damage done at, the, at this time of year and just pick off you know, what you can see is damaged and uh, you know, see if you can salvage just a few of them. But, uh, yeah, look, next year, um, yeah, you have to keep that two-pronged approach up, some dust, uh, some pyrethrum spray to try and keep the moths away. And uh, best of luck then, I guess. That's uh, the best advice I can give you right now this time of year. We've also got some um, little Yeah, so that, that, that sounds like what's happened. Uh, the moths come in and uh, laid the eggs and the, and the grubs have uh, done their business. So, look, that, that could have happened to you, you know, three, four, five weeks ago. Uh, so it, it could be that the horse has bolted for you. Yeah, and and it is with tomatoes. It, it's always good to try and get in as early as possible as well. So you try and get a crop out of your tomatoes before the the fruit fly and all the grubs and everything come along. Rouge de Marmong's a, a, a really good early cropping uh, tomato to to give a crack at, or otherwise just start growing the you know the smaller ones, the little tiny toms. Uh, you know those smaller growing varieties, so you don't get the fruit fly in them as bad. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. Uh, you don't stake them. You just almost let them ramble over the ground and uh, you get a really good result out of those. Fair enough. All right. Okay, well, we'll keep it on. Let's wait till next turn next year then. Okay. Appreciate the call, Gary. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, we've got Janet from New Lambton and she's got a question about the lemon tree. Oh, yes. Hi, Scott. I'm out in the yard at the moment oh, looking that... at my poor, miserable little... Um, no, it's a mandarin tree, actually. It's an imperial... Yes, yeah. How, and what, what's happening with the poor thing? Um, it's about three years old. It's grafted, so it's only a small tree. Um, it gets lots of food, but it's um, it's not. It doesn't flower very much, and it's the leaves. When it gets new leaves, they're they've got that um, curl in them. Even though I spray them, there's that curl and that um, funny little lines in them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's um, called citrus leaf miner. Um, yeah. 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 But apart from that, it, um, it's growing well. It's lovely and green. It gets lots of food. But I'm just a bit concerned that it doesn't flower much and um, I haven't got much fruit at all, whereas I've got a lemon probably about three metres away and it's absolutely full of lemons. So okay, I'm so just not sure. I'm not sure what I'm doing or not doing or should be doing. So so is, is Mandy the mandarin uh, in the ground or in a pot? Yes. Now it's in, the, in ground. the ground. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, now, I'm just thinking about uh, you're up in New Lambton Heights. Uh, yeah. What's your yeah. soil like up there? Is it a very heavy clay soil? No, no, it's not at all. And over the years, I've sort of improved it a lot with I uh, make my own compost, etc. Mm-hmm. So it, the soil's not too bad at all. The only thing, not too far away, my neighbour has um, a huge bottle brush and I'm just wondering whether that may be interfering with the roots or something. Oh yes, now the other thing I'm, I'm thinking about a bottle brush, it could be dropping its leaves on the ground 
And, no. And either uh, – you know how you under bottle brush you do get that sort of carp? The, they do get their leaves falling off. And I'm just wondering sure. if, it, if it's been acidifying the soil because citrus like okay. a, a slightly alkaline soil. So right. it, it might be worth getting uh, some of that soil from around the tree and yep. taking it down to your local garden centre and getting them to do a pH test on that soil just okay. to see what's happening. Now, if that's the case and it turns out it is slightly acidic, it's not insurmountable. Um, no. You know, we just start adding some lime to the soil to try and, uh, you know, sort of bring that uh, pH um, to a more alkaline level. Uh, sure. You can also use poultry manure as well, although if it is a little bit too far gone, you have to use a bit more radical and use the lime or the dolomite lime. Um, okay. So I think yep. that might be a, a great sort of um, port of call for you, uh, you know, in the first instance to, to test, get that pH test done on the soil. Yeah. Uh, the other thing okay. you can certainly keep on doing, though, is sulphate of potash. It, it promotes the fruiting and flowering of the plant. Uh, yeah, and it uh, washes through the soil very easily. So you need to just keep that up, uh, you know, month to month. Uh, you can start using that now if you want to. There's no harm in doing that. Uh, okay. But look, definitely, I think uh, go and get that pH test and we'll see what's happening with the soil. Okay, but, yeah, yeah that's, pro that's probably a good first um, point of call anyhow, just yeah. to check the soil. I hadn't thought of that, but... And potash. I've never used potash, so okay. I'll do that as well. Yeah, because I, look, I, I know at my place I've got a bottle brush up in the back corner and there's always yeah. sort of a carpet of leaves. Uh, okay. Even though they're an evergreen tree, they still seem to shed their little leaves and, and I think it would probably acidify the soil. All right. Okay, well, okay. thanks very much for that, Scott. Okay, thank you for the call, Okay, Jane. bye. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. That's all for Guarding Talkback this week. Scott Sharp, nearly run out of time once again. It's gone so quick yet again. But we do have an email there? Yes, we do have an email uh, from Jennifer. Uh, she has uh, called us up, uh, sent the email, and she's up in the Cessnock area. She is very nicely looking after someone's garden up there, and apparently the garden's a bit scraggly and craggy oh, okay. and needs to tidy up. It's got a lot of roses in there. She's asking uh, when can she go and give them the tidy up. Well, I guess, uh, Jennifer, you can give them the tidy up now, if you need to, it's probably not going to be the, for the best for the roses um, because they're getting ready to go become dormant. And, yep. and we, as we spoke about earlier with Steve, that is the best time to uh, prune your roses. But if you do need to cut them back now, um, yeah, look, go for it. May as well. Yep, give them a tidy up. Be prepared to give them another tidy up, um, you know, perhaps uh, mid-July. Uh, but you're asking also, should I fertilise them? I would say, no, don't worry about fertilising them now. Do that in uh, mid-July. So very nice of you to be looking after that garden and helping out. Um, but uh, look, if you want to, I think you could probably wait till mid-July. Your job will be easier for you. Good to go. Okay. Scott Sharp, we'll catch you again next week. Okay, talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.